And somebody was saying last time, okay, we're recording now, and it's Learning to Lean 2023 style, hoping that you practiced in the holiday break. Uh, I'm thrilled to pieces to be back and so glad that everybody was willing to start back earlier than we had sort of thought we would. Um, so I'm, I'm more than ready and I hope you're more than ready to learn some more about what it means to lean in to Jesus, to lean not on our own understanding, but into, uh, to learn, because I don't think we'll ever probably tell heaven do it 100% of the time, but to learn how to, um, in all our ways, acknowledge him and let him make straight our paths or direct our paths. And that's his promise in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. We started with that the very first week of the first semester. And then we went on to look at the life of Paul because he's such a wonderful illustration of a man who went from very self-reliant, leaning on his own understanding, leaning on his own laurels, leaning on his knowledge and his wealth and his position and his fame and his power and his emotions and his zeal and all the things inside of him, he went from leaning on that to leaning on Jesus. And he's written so, so much richness for us in the word of God. And so we're letting him be our role model this year. And we're looking at what he's written down for us and how God used so many um, just crazy and unexpected circumstances to uh, provide him with the opportunity to write for us. And so I'm excited to talk again today. We looked at four weeks of Essentials of Leaning, and then um, we're continuing to hit on each one of those essentials basically every week. Hopefully there's some repetition because we, we need practice at this. It's maybe like playing golf. I've never played golf, but, I mean, I imagine tennis or golf or any of those things. You, I mean, you've just got to keep going over the basics again and again, and that's how you get proficient. At, at a skill like that. And the same with the skill of leaning. It's something that we as disciples need to learn and we need to gain proficiency at it. So I'm hoping to throw some of those basics in there. But after we finished those four weeks, we went on to this incredible statement that Paul made in Philippians 4 about, I have learned how to be content no matter what my circumstances. Now, how does that sound? That sounds like a pretty tall order, doesn't it? And yet, I was so challenged by that, and I was so taken by the thought of having the opportunity to really live a life of contentment. I mean, I get excited to think I might could be more content than I am, because I'm going to just be honest with you. I'm not as content as I want to be. I'm discontent pretty often. And yet, we have... In every principle that's written in God's word, the opportunity to look at that as a promise that if God has put this out there as something that he can teach a man, because Paul was special, but you're special, and I'm special, and if he can teach a man to learn to be content in these circumstances, he can teach these women in this room to do it too. And so that's what I'm going for, and I hope that's what you're going for too. So we're not done with the contentment many series within our series and I think if you think about it you're not going to lean on somebody that you're just content with are you when you're kind of kind of have that little thing between you and your husband or you and somebody special do you really want to lean on them 
and snuggle with them? Not, no, uh-uh. And so we're not going to lean on or snuggle up to or press into the presence of God if we're discontent with him. Because, you know, I mean, it's kind of like I've made a joke. Everything is Bob Giordo's fault. I mean, it really all comes back down to him, doesn't it? You know, I can find a way to make it on him, you know. But really, even beyond that, I can find a way to make it on God. Because he is sovereign after all, right? All-powerful, all-knowing. He could have, we could have skipped this fun we're having, you know. And so at the bottom of the barrel, that's who we're discontent with. It's the Lord. And so I want to get to the place where I can learn to be content in all circumstances. And that is going to mean that I'm going to learn to trust him. And trusting is the essence of leaning, I think. So just as a little bit of a kind of bringing us kind of back to mind about what we've done and what we're trying to do. And I finished the last semester talking about a lot about our emotions. And it's something we talk about a lot in here. We talk about taking things from our heads to our hearts. That's to me, is one of the essential things we do in discipleship is not so much study the Bible. Yes, this is a Bible study, and you will learn, hopefully, a lot about it when you're in here. But we want to apply it, and what that means is that you take it and you try it on in your day-to-day circumstances, and it, as you find God faithful to do what he says he would do, as you find him faithful to be who he says he will be, guess what starts happening? You start trusting him more, and you're more willing to entrust things to him the next time. And we have tons of seats over here and on the front for anybody who wants them. And you won't bother me if you want to take them. And um, so so we're going to be talking some more about our emotions today. And one sort of emotion, it is, it is an emotion, as, you know, emotions can be something besides an emotion, but but an emotion that's really important is hope or a sense of hopefulness. And I wanted to talk about that today and how it relates to our contentment level and, therefore, our ability to lean into God and trust him. And um, I, I've always found this to be true is that, you know, God says a lot of things in Scripture. He illustrates a lot of things in Scripture through his um, interactions with the people we find there. And so often, the people who study and research human behavior and the principles of life, the scientific people who have research-based things that they write, they will often come up with these big findings. And what you'll discover is, oh, that's in the Bible. And so I did a little bit of research. I'm, I'm, I'm a science background person. I love neurobiology. I love psychology. I feel like it's really important in helping us to get in touch with our emotions and therefore bring them to God. And so I started thinking about this thing of um, contentment and how contentment is never going to be mine if I have the emotion of hopelessness or disappointment. And it was pretty soon after we broke in November that I realized, oh, we've covered maybe a dozen obstacles to contentment. We've covered some pretty tough ones, some pretty big ones. And yet it had not once occurred to me that discontentment 
is never going to happen as long as I'm feeling disappointed. And disappointment is a big obstacle in my life. Um, And so I thought, you know, we're going to have to talk about this. And then the more the break went on, the more I realized, and I'm disappointed about this, and I'm disappointed about this, and I'm disappointed about this. And therefore, in this area, I'm discontent. And in this area, I'm not leaning as well or as hard or as completely as I could. So um, the psychologist, back to this thought, I, I, I figured I would know what it was going to say, but I just wanted to confirm it. So you asked the psychologist, is there a relationship between contentment and your hope level? Yes. The, the, the fast answer is absolutely yes, absolutely. Let me just give you one quote I found here about the middle of the first uh, paragraph. It says, studies have found that hope is positively correlated with life satisfaction and serves as a buffer against the impact of negative and stressful life events. So hope is big. We need to cultivate hope in our hearts. And it's something that God offers us, and Paul writes about it. And so we want to take a passage that has meant so much to me over the years. One of these verses I pray very regularly. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and tell you this is a dense passage. I'm just looking at five verses in the fifth chapter of Romans. Romans is the longest letter that Paul writes. And um, it's very theologically deep. Um, So we'll take at least two weeks on this passage. But... Uh, We really want to focus on the hope element of it today. And so let me read for you Romans 5, 1 through 5 in the New Living Translation. Since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So Paul is giving us here in this, as I said, is a really rich passage. He's given us several things that we can hold on to as ways to promote hope in our lives. So we're just going to look at kind of two chunks of those today. The first one is God's work. And I'm just going to tell you, if you look at commentators and that write about the whole theme of the book of Romans, they'll say it's about justification. That's the theological term that um, Paul, I, they don't use it in the New Living. It's one of the reasons I like the New Living is it kind of puts it more in layman's terms, helps you hear it for, uh, with fresh ears sometimes. But you've heard the word justification, and the old shortcut definition of it is it means that I'm just as if I never sinned because I'm in Christ because I'm a believer but let me read you a more um, I guess maybe academic um, definition here it says a legal declaration in which God pardons the sinner of all his sins 
and accepts and accounts the sinner as righteous in his sight. So think about that just a moment. That gives us a really big source of hope. And I want to tease that out a little bit about why can we have hope? Well, everything you've ever done wrong and everything you've, you're ever going to do wrong has been paid for by the blood of Jesus. And because of that, you are in right relationship with God, and he has strapped the breastplate of righteousness onto your chest and over your heart, and it buckles in the back, and it can never be taken off of you, ever. We stand in grace. We stand forgiven. We stand justified, and that should give us great hope. And that should give us great confidence to come to God in our time of need and to really lean when we need to, which is every day, you know. And so what that means, you know, the opposite of doing that means that I'm counting on me. I'm counting on my good intentions, my hard work, my efforts, my, you know, figuring it out and trying to get it right. Y'all who else has tried that and knows that doesn't work? I have so many times. And sometimes I'll be in the midstream of doing that and go, oh, oops. I could just trust in what Jesus has already done for me instead of trying to make up for the dumb thing I did. You know, so there's so much hope that comes from realizing I am right with God and there's nothing I can do about it. I can't mess it up. I cannot mess it up. And, um, you know, sometimes we can be really disappointed in ourselves. And I know I felt so bad when I prayed to the Lord, feeling so disappointed that I didn't trust him enough. But, y'all, he's not disappointed in us. He's not disappointed in us. Because when he sees you, he sees his beloved daughter. He sees the bride that he's going to marry one day. He sees his precious creation as righteous because that's what Jesus gave us and so that is so protective against hopelessness we don't have to be disappointed in ourselves am I saying don't um let the Holy Spirit convict us when there's a higher ground of a better obedience. That's not what I'm saying because we're, we're about to say those things too. But it is just a, a great, um, it's, a, it's a great way to cultivate hope, to, to meditate on that. John Piper wrote, the first human counterpart to divine grace is hope. So remember what it said in the passage. It says we stand in grace. That's what I was just describing, grace. God gives us grace, favor, preferential treatment because of what Jesus has done for us. And what does that mean? How, how can that stir hope specifically? What are some, some ways that we can parlay that in our lives to make ourselves grasp this great grace that we stand in uh we just sang in christ alone and it says on the love here in the love of christ i stand here in the hope of christ i stand here in the power of christ i stand here in the grace 
of Christ I stand. And so because we are standing in grace in right relationship with God, we are um, in this process of sanctification, another theological term that just basically means God has begun a, a work in you, it says in Philippians. Paul wrote in Philippians 1, 6, he who began a good work in you, and he was confident of that very thing. That's how he started. And I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you and me will bring it to completion. And so whether we like it or not, whether we cooperate or not, God is at work in your life to mold you and make you more and more into the image of Christ. And so we, God's work is good. We, we, that is hopeful. And so Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, I love this, I am different now. We can all say that, y'all. We are different now than we were before Jesus. And we may not be as different as we want to be, but we are different. And so that's something to be excited about and thankful for. It should give us hope. And it is all because of what God did for me by his loving favor. See how Paul's just leaning on God right there. God did it. I'm just letting him work. I'm cooperating with the work he's doing in me. Also, one of my favorite sort of, I guess it's a theological term, uh, it is a word in the Bible, is breakthrough. I love to get myself a good breakthrough. And that's where you go from a place to a better place. <laughs> you know, whatever place you're in and you have new eyes to see, you have new heart to believe. And because we're standing in grace, guess what? We've just got breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough on our horizon. And I, I chose a passage, and I thought better of it later, uh, there's another one I'm going to say that's not on the paper, but we'll we'll look at this one. Second Corinthians 1.10 says, God delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. And on him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. So see that continual thing. He's done it in the past. He's doing it right now, and he's going to keep on doing it. It's a pre- progressive work. And we started Paul's goal that he wrote for his life in Philippians 3 is, It was his goal to know God more intimately and progressively and more deeply. And that's what we get to look forward to by these breakthroughs that he's bringing into our life. The scripture that I wish I'd put down, but I am going to say, is 2 Corinthians 3.18 that says that um, we are transformed in his presence from glory to glory. We're going to talk about God's presence at length here in a minute, but... There it is. It's in the Bible. We're going to go from glory to glory because we have the presence of Christ in our lives. And then grace, standing in grace, um, gives us the power to obey when temptation comes. Paul writes again in 1 Corinthians in uh, chapter 10, verse 13, God will not let you be tempted beyond your ability to resist. But along with the temptation, he has in the past and is now and will always provide the way out as well so that you will be able to endure it without yielding and will overcome temptation with joy. Overcoming temptation is a joyful thing, y'all. How much better do you feel when you saw 
you know what? I was able to say no to that thing that I should have said no to. It feels better, doesn't it, when you do that? And only by grace, the power of grace, the power of Christ in us. And I failed to say, I mean, I think you can see it in each one of these passages I chose, is that this standing word that Paul uses, that we are standing in grace, is in the perfect present tense. So it is that thing of it happened in the past, and it's just keeping on happening. That's what perfect present means. So just that hope and expectation are synonyms. That should give us hope and expectation of what we have to look forward to. Those breakthroughs, those, that ability to grow in our obedience, that ability to, um, to see would be the fourth one I've listed here, is that just to begin to understand and grasp and see oh, this felt like something that was hemming me in or a constraint that God's asking of me, but really I have now eyes to see that this is really better. This is the the best way. It's God's way. And so I'm using Psalm 112.1 here from the New Living. It says, How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. Pretty soon we start becoming convinced as we learn to trust and lean more, that, yeah, I might as well just skip my way and go straight to God's way because it's better. So that's something that gives us hope, is knowing that God's way really works after we've tried it a few times. And then I love this, that grace makes our lives a testimony to others. And I I use the verse that God's given me uh, many times in the last year or so, and I feel like he's saying, Kathy, you're, you've reached the point in your life that I really want you to focus on the legacy you leave. And so it says here, each generation should set its hope anew on God and not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. And so my heart burns with a desire to do that. I want each one of you to know how marvelous God is, how amazing he is what it means to walk with him day by day by day and see him answer your prayers. Um, I have a praying mother, and what a gift to me because it was just natural for me to pray, natural for me to believe because I saw it. It wasn't taught. It was caught. I watched her. She would kneel by my bed and pray with me, and God would answer and so my children have grown up with that, and I just think what head starts they got in life because that was just normal. It's just normal. And so my children, without even thinking about it, set their hope on God because that's what they know. That's what they've lived. That's what they've seen. How grateful to know that because if I die tomorrow, they're good. And so that's exciting and that's hopeful that our lives can make a difference as we just do our next thing so let's listen now um father we want to just come to you in prayer for a quick um time for you to just personalize what we've been looking at lord um please show us help us to understand and get a deeper grasp of how powerful it is to understand the grace that you provide for us. Help us see, Lord, how that gives us more hope and contentment. 
And Lord, we'd like to ask you now to point out a specific area of each person's life that would be the most impacted if we were able to really take in your grace at a deeper level. Lord, we thank you and we praise you that um, in your timing that you'll just continue to roll out for us the beauty of your grace and how it makes a difference in our everyday life and in specific areas of our lives. And we just ask this in Jesus' name and thank you. So now let's talk about the hope that we get in God's presence. And I guess every lesson really is about God's presence but it's something that I really wanted to, I mean, put a big capital on and put a giant exclamation behind because the presence of God is something that's always available to us, and yet it's something that we just say so often, and it's so prevalent in Scripture that sometimes I don't know that we really actually think about it or are aware of it, like that would, in such a way that it would produce a constant sense of hope. And so I, I really, for several years now, one of, my, one of my prayers has been, Lord, help me to just be more present to your presence because it's always there. So, I mean, just think how different it would be if you were just constantly aware of God being right there. Um, it, it's hope-producing. And so Paul says, let me read from the Amplified verse 2 of our passage, Romans 5-2, Amp says, Through him... We also have access by faith into this remarkable state of grace in which we firmly and safely and securely stand. Let us rejoice in our hope and the confident assurance of experiencing and enjoying the glory of our great God, the manifestation of his excellence and power. So, think about that. If we feel real sure about his grace and our right standing with him, then we can come boldly into his presence. And, you know, it is already there, but the scripture does say come boldly to the throne of grace. And so there's a part of us that, you know, this is engaging, it's our it's our awareness, it's that sense of expectation, it's that sense of, you know, turning our attention toward. And so um, we see that in Paul's life. He was so aware of the presence of God in any and every one of his circumstances. And, and, and you see the evidence of it, don't you? I mean, what an amazing man. I mean, he, just the second half of his life was so impactful. The first half was so negative and then what a huge difference uh, the presence of God made in his life and so I want us to think about how often we really take advantage of the fact that God's right here right now with us and um, when disappointment comes when you start feeling hopeless over a situation 
do you stop and take a moment? Do you stop and take a knee? Do you stop and take a beat and tune in to God being right there with you? I'm just going to say I don't do it often enough. This is, I mean, I'm preaching to myself here. But so in the psalmist wrote in Psalm 42, 5, listen to this. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? And you could add any emotion there. Disappointment's the one I was feeling a lot, but any of them. But why? Well, I've always used this passage of saying, God, give me a diagnosis. And that works too. I think God will do that, and we'll talk about that also. But what it says now is, listen, hope in God. For I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. His presence is helpful is another way to say that. Remember we talked about David, for those of you who were here last year, about how he went when he had the worst day of his life, he went and he strengthened himself in the Lord. And that's basically what that means. I mean, for me, what does that look like to um, be helped by God's presence? Well, I can be standing there being blessed out by somebody and somebody directing their anger or displeasure toward me, and I can just turn the eyes of my heart upward and go, God's with me right now. God, you know, I'm holding my shield up of the presence of God. God's favor surrounds me like a shield, it says in the Psalms. I mean, I can just internally tune in to the fact that he's right here by my side. So that's one way it can look. And then a way that I feel like we could probably grow the most is by when we get in the car after that episode or when we put the phone, pardon me, the phone down or when we go into the other room to stop right then and to stop right there and to tune into God's presence and take a moment and just to say, Oh, my goodness, God, what was that about? And just to ha- just take time in his presence to unload, unwind, and then listen. And I'll tell y'all, I can do this in pretty short order. But I've also been, let me just say, I've also been doing this for a very long time. And when I do this, I do not always hear some great thing from heaven you know I don't hear the voice of God every single time I don't hear the you know many times he'll bring to mind the scriptures he'll bring to mind a verse and sometimes he'll just bring to mind I'm right here you know it's just that stopping and taking advantage of his presence and y'all hope expectation of good dulling and blunting disappointment and discontentment happens when you do that it really does and I know you know that but I'm just saying why don't we do that more you know um so the pause that refreshes and then um let's just go ahead and get it out there that one of the reasons we don't do that is because we have all those obstacles that we've already listed, but the one I want to mention today is one that we haven't said already, and that is false hope. That's a biblical term, and false hope is basically anything 
that we put our hope in other than God. Anything that we're expecting to make our lives better, to increase our well-being, to make us okay, that is temporal. That could be a person, a relationship, a job, position, power, fame, popularity, just anything that you can lose is a false hope. Now, is it a source of hope to have all you women in my life? Absolutely. Is it a source of hope that I belong to a church that teaches the Bible? Yes, ma'am. Is it a source of hope that I have people I know who pray for me regularly? Yes, that bolsters my hope too. But at the end of the day, that's not where my hope ultimately rests. My hope ultimately rests in the song we sang, In Christ Alone. I mean, because really, if Armageddon was to come or nuclear war was to come and we were the last man standing, we would still have hope because we would still have God's presence. All that other stuff can go, and we still can have hope. So uh, I saw this quote that I thought was really good. It says, a false hope is an expectation that is extremely unlikely to be satisfied. This is likely to cause an individual to waste their resources and become disappointed. So every single time I feel disappointed, it's made me stop and think, hmm, what was I hoping in? Did I have a false hope there? Yeah, maybe. Often, oftentimes I do. Um, so let's, let's um, take another quick listening prayer moment. So, Lord, we just come back into your presence. We are always in your presence, and thank you for that. But we turn our attention to your presence now and ask for you to highlight the areas where we are currently feeling dissatisfied or disappointed. And, Lord, we're just going to make a list of two or three of our top areas now. And Father, we just ask you in these particular things that we've recognized as places of being dissatisfied or disappointed, Lord, please we ask you to show us, just for one of them maybe in this brief time, if we've extended a false hope or inappropriate hope in something or someone. Okay, so, and that, this is, uh, I've given you a lot of applications at the end of the lesson that you can do later in the week. Uh, Hopefully you can check those out tonight or tomorrow morning or something like that, and it'll give you a chance to just kind of plant those questions and kind of start thinking about some applications, And, and these listening questions that are in our time together are also good ones to go back to, because there's, you know, it's a fast it's a fast process in this classroom, so uh, hopefully you'll get more later. And um, so we've 
we've heard this quote, false hope leads to disappointment. Um, but God's presence, Paul tells us that because we have the hope of God's presence, that hope won't disappoint us. And so what are some of the ways that hope, hope's a pretty broad term. So let's talk about, well, first of all, to say that the hope that we have is going to be authentic. It's going to stand up. It's going to be true. It can be tested and tried and proved to be authentic. Um, hope is an atmosphere where faith can be birthed and thrive. You know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if we're in God's presence and if we're tuned in and if we're listening, if we're in his word, if we're seeking him there, then we're going to see and hear and faith is going to be birthed. So faith is really, you know, help. our faith is bolstered by hope. Um, we're going to have a renewed mind. Um, instead of seeing everything through dark glasses, it'll be brighter, lighter. Um, when we're listening, when we're tuned in to God's presence, when we have that help and hope of his presence... We'll receive the direction we need. We'll lean on him instead of our own understanding, and he will direct our paths. So we have that promise. Uh, fresh vision. It's just sometimes when, especially on a new year, here we are in January, it's still not too late to be thinking about what do I want my word to be or what do I want my, want my vision to be for this coming year? And let God really inform that through the hope that he's given us uh, by time in his presence. Um, contagious joy. Paul's joy was crazy. I mean, he had just, he had over-the-top, unexplainable joy in the midst of some of the most horrific circumstances. And, you know, joy is one of those things. You know how sometimes you'll be sitting in a restaurant and you'll, there'll be a group of women over there and they'll start laughing, belly laughing? Doesn't it make you laugh? I mean, joy is a contagious thing, and there's not enough joy in this world, y'all. I want this to be um, a season of joy, that the Holy Spirit would anoint us with the oil of joy because we have hope, because we're standing in grace, because God's presence is always with us, and I can tune into that, and I can sense him right here. Boy, that gives me some joy. And um, and it's also um, one of the things that we need. To, we need to feel safe to be able to face our false hopes, to be able to go, oh, gosh, I really believed a big, fat lie right there. Man, I was counting on something that was going to let me down. And and for God to be able to show me that and me not to feel shame over that, but for me to go, oh, man, thanks for pointing that out. That explains a lot. Thank you, Lord. You know, so all those things to me are a byproduct of really cultivating this hope by thinking about what God's done for us and by the fact that he's really right here. Um, I want to share with you um, some of the work I did over the break around this issue of disappointment and how it related to my contentment level and my ability to lean on God. So, like I said, it was I had several little uh, hits around the disappointment thing, but I'm going to share the most recent one with you. So, um, I have always been a person that has enjoyed really robust health. I've had, you know, like 
I've just been blessed in that way. And I wish I had appreciated it more because I appreciate it more now. I mean, just for those of you who haven't crossed over like the big 5-0, just you start getting to practice this a little bit more as you get on up there like I am now. And um, so I have had several opportunities to um, realize that, so kind of tying together hope, disappointment, and our emotions, um, that I get my feelings hurt when I'm sick or when I don't feel good. And I've known that for a long time. But so we finished up our year, and I try to really live what I teach. I don't, I mean, that's a big deal for me, integrity piece for me. I don't want to just stand up here and spout off a bunch of Bible verses. I really want to live this stuff. And I don't, uh, I promise you I don't live it all, all the time, but I do. That's my, that's my hope and um, aim to do that. And so I, um, <laughs> I had to say, I had a little smugness going because I was one of the only people. I mean, I didn't know anybody else who hadn't had the COVID virus, and I hadn't had it yet. So I'm just saying I didn't get it. And you know the verse that says pride goeth before the fall? Well, I got the COVID virus over um, the break between Christmas and New Year's. And I just kind of didn't feel good. And guess what? It hurt my feelings. So I've known that about myself, as I said, for a long time. And I've had the same memory. And I've probably told this story seven times to y'all before. But I'm going to tell you the thing that I already knew is that so we have this little prayer model. I've repeated it on your work, work part of the paper today. And I've provided you with a bookmark that has it so you can stick it in your Bible or your purse or whatever. So you can stop in carpool line and pray through your junk, you know, if you want to. But um, and you can have two if you want to. Um, but so I knew it hurt my feelings. So I'm thinking, okay, so I know where to start on my little four-step prayer model. What, are my, what am I feeling? Well, I'm feeling disappointed. My feelings are hurt. I'm disappointed that I got it. I was hoping to get through this thing without ever having had it. So I was disappointed. Well, Lord, what's a memory that um, I can go back to? Where did that get started in my life? Or what's a time when that made a big impact on me and maybe left a place in me? Because what I, I listen, I'm going to add a few things to this little model, some, maybe some new ways to say it. I listened to this fabulous podcast that a friend shared with me over um, the break about emotional healing. And guys, I believe that God is a healer and that what he means when he says he starts a good work in us and he's going to bring it to completion is that our soul is sick in many ways because we've believed lies, because we've had false hopes. And God wants to bring true, authentic hope and truth to that. And so I knew that there was something off in there and I knew that using this new language, that sickness was a trigger for me, or feeling bad is a trigger for me. And so a trigger is caused by one of two real broad things. One is an unmet need, and the other is trauma. Okay, first let me say about trauma. Trauma can be little t which is what I'm about to describe to you. I did not have huge trauma around sickness, but let's say I was in a catastrophic car accident, or let's say I had a bout with cancer 
earlier in my life. Those would be big T traumas. What I'm about to describe to you is, is a minor thing, but it still left a wound. And so when that happens to me, because I haven't all the way resolved that, because my thinking around it and my hope around it are still not completely in Christ, it's a trigger. So I want to deal with that so I can get more whole and healthy, okay? And so, so I identify that as a trigger, and I realized I had an unmet need there, and I've, this is something we've talked about many, many years. In this class, the podcast uses these three basic needs, core needs that are built into our DNA and that are meant to be filled. We are meant to be seen. We are meant to be known. And we are meant to belong. And that's using three different terms than I've used before, but they're pretty close. And so if one of those needs was insufficiently met, especially in my formative years, um, or in some other significant way later on in my life after childhood, that can be the source of a trigger. Okay, so just wanted you to kind of have that background. And that the corresponding emotions that go with those needs that are legitimate, core, God-given needs are sad, scared, and lonely. And so when we start journaling on our paper about I feel, let's keep pressing. Let's keep pressing a little bit deeper because I can get pretty quick I mean, immediately in touch with angry. I am so mad. That's a safe, strong, self-protective emotion that can just, you know. And, yes, let's get in touch with mad. But let's keep pressing, keep pressing. What else? Well, what else is in there? Well, how else does that make you feel? Can we go deeper? And when you go to that, when you're, you feel safe enough to go to that place, one of those three things, sad, scared, or lonely, is probably going to emerge. So this was my big breakthrough this holiday, was I realized that when I started journaling about my emotions and I remembered what the lady in the podcast said, I thought, well, I'm disappointed. And, yeah, I guess that's sort of a synonym for sad. But then I thought about the other two. Was I scared? No, that didn't feel right. But did I feel lonely? Yes. I was an only child. I was, they let me sit in my parents' big bed and read a book. For two weeks, I had bronchitis in the first grade. I was six years old. And I loved to go to school. That was my window on the world. That was the place I went and did my thing. I got out there and I learned. I'm a lifetime learner. I love to read. I love to learn. I love to tell people what I've learned. I love to make good grades and overachieve. I did that early in life, too. Um, and that was the place I connected with my peers, y'all. I didn't have anybody to play with at my house. And I realized, oh, my goodness, I felt so lonely and alone when I was sick. And every day they checked my temperature to see if I could go back to school. And every day that it was too high to go back, I cried my eyes out. And then just think what it felt like to be, um, fast forward to 2022, the end of a year, 
and realize I have to isolate from my people for like until I get a negative test. Y'all, it just, it was like this big new revelation to me that feeling sick makes me feel alone. I'm not in touch with God's presence. I'm not in touch with my people. I just feel cut off from life when I feel bad. So here's the great news. The truth is I don't have to put my hope in physical wellness. I can put my hope in the presence of Christ. I can press into the presence of Christ and say, I am helped by his presence. So the first couple of days when I felt kind of puny, I just turned on the music and just let that truth wash over me that those songs bring up, just the truth that, you know, my hope is in Christ alone, for example. And just listen, 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 and just enjoy the Lord's presence that way. As I got stronger, though, I got kind of militant. I thought... I'm pressing in. I'm not going to let the stinking COVID virus keep me out of God's presence. I'm going to open up my Bible. I'm going to see what God has to say about hope. It says in the Bible that hope, God's hope, doesn't disappoint. And I'm not going to let this disappoint me and take that Satan. So I am just going to get my notepad out and I'm going to write a Bible study. See what you think about that, you lying son of a gun. And so I got so much hope and help from the pressing into the presence of God. I don't know what your trigger is. I don't know what your false hope is. But I know that I had put a false amount of hope in my well-being physically, in my ability to do, and even in my being with my people. And God was able to come in with a light of understanding that Look how okay you are, Kathy. You're even joyful. You're in here belting out songs. You know, I mean, I was, man, I got some new music. I'm ready for us to sing them. I want y'all to sing them with me. I'm going to send them out because they are good. And they build hope. To have a new song, the Bible talks about having a new song. It's a new year. Let's get some new songs. Let's sing the truth to ourselves because that is a way to minister hope to our souls. And so I'll just tell you and testify to you that that was so ministering to me and that I didn't feel alone. I felt connected to God. I felt the presence of his spirit moving in my life. And I thought, I've got some down days to come. Some of you may remember I've got two major surgeries coming this year. I'm getting two hip replacements. And so... I I felt like this was a gift from God to be able to prepare me for what's coming. I've probably got a lot of sofa time coming this spring. And yet, I'm going to go in feeling like, yeah, if God could give me that much stuff in that amount of time, just look what he's going to do. Get out of my way. I'm ready. I'm hopeful. I'm expectant because my God is a God of hope. And I'm standing in his grace. And I'm always in his presence. And I can't scare him off. I can't emote him away. I can't be ghosted by him. I can't be forsaken by him because he's not going anywhere. Even when I'm disappointed in him, he's not going anywhere. And so, therefore, I have hope that the next time I hit a snag, the next time my emotions put a barrier between me and God, that I don't have to stay there, that I can just press in 
and find help in his presence and that I can say, Lord, why is my soul in despair? And that I can just walk through with him and he can help me to a better place, a place to stand firm on the solid rock of Christ. So I hope you will do the same. I challenge you to try this. Um, this method of prayer is something that I use in my life every single week. Um, if this is something that's kind of awkward or new to you, we would love as leaders to get with you and, and um, you know, do it with you. And, um, and that's kind of what we're doing in here on these listening exercises. I'm trying to get us in, you know, just kind of in the mode of just stopping and listening and applying. So I'm um, hoping and praying that that'll be something that you'll press into this, um, this spring. So I'm going to close with a verse, Psalm 73, 28, and I'm using the message translation. And it says, I'm in the very presence of God. Oh, how refreshing it is. I've made Lord God my home. God, I'm telling the world what you do. So let's um, close in prayer, and then we'll write our one thing. Father, I, um, I thank you so much for the truth of the fact that we stand in grace that has already been done and then it's continually being um, the state of affairs between you and us. We thank you that we stand in grace, that you favor us, that you look on us preferentially because of what Jesus did and that we can lean on his finished work and know that we're okay with you and that when hiccups and disappointments and circumstances and emotions and conflicts come, Lord, that there's a way, there's a pathway, Lord, in your presence to find hope and help. And so, Lord, I pray for each of us that when we tend to um, get our triggers and buttons pushed, Lord, that you would just remind us, Holy Spirit, of all you've taught us through this um, lesson today, that, Lord, we can just stop and we can tune into you and we can listen, and we can find the help that we need. Lord, thank you that, Lord, you are a healer. You're in the business of being at work in our life, that you are always working. It says in John 5, 17, that God is always working, and I too work, Jesus said. So, Lord, thank you that you're just not going to stop, whether we resist you or not. But, Father, I pray that you would cause us to be uh, surrendered and excited about your work, that we would just open our hearts and minds to you, and let you do that for us. And that, Lord, we would live to testify about how great it is on the other side, that we really have more hope, more joy, more peace because of our encounters with you in the secret place of your presence. So, Lord, we thank you so much for your great love and your constant presence and your help, Lord. We just ask you to help us to lean and be content in that. And we just ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.